introduce Ross Collins, um, Senior Lecturer in Psychology at the University of Northampton, um, a psychologist and a statistician um, who uh, completed a PhD on the impact of peer mentoring in higher education. I like this, her work focuses on the uh, impact of peer mentoring in HE, as well as looking at curiosity and statistics anxiety, incorporating motivation and engagement to Tinto's theory of retention, and the role of procrastination in the motivation to achieve versus the fear of failure. <laughs> Definitely something that I can relate to. There's a lot of different types of research. Um, I've got to put this one up and I. Um, yeah. I research a lot of different things. Let's get the mic the right way up so we can record. Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to research a lot of different things. I think that's a statistician inside of me. I'm a bit of a magpie at my uni. Um, so anything that comes up that's interesting to research, I'm like, oh, I get involved in that. Um, so I've got some positive psychologists also researching retention and teacher training and things like that as well. So I'm random my 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 um, research. Um, this is a lot of this actually comes from my PhD. So um, I said to my friends as I was writing this, this is like 12 years of research all summed up into uh, 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to try and skim past quite a few of the first slides now as well. Um, so I started it way back in um, Bangor University, did my PhD in Stirling, so I did an undergraduate at Bangor University and, and started researching it there. Did my PhD in um, Stirling University and now I'm at Northampton, so I've been around a little bit as well. Um, so. This starts a little bit negatively in that I talk about the problems within the um, mentoring research. I then talk about all the benefits there are about mentoring, and then I talk about the problems within mentoring research again. Um, so it's kind of a bit circular in that sense. My PhD itself was on peer mentoring in higher education as a whole, not specifically for international students. So I've gone away and read a heck of a lot in the last couple of months to try and find as much as I can to incorporate it with international students as well. And there's really not a lot out there. Um, so what I've got in the slides is literally what's out there <laughs> from what I can see. Um, so um, the first couple of slides I'm going to really skip over because one of the main problems we have within mentoring literature and mentoring research is the problems with definitions. The fact that how many of you here know of a mentoring scheme within your university? And I can guarantee they're all very different in some shape or form. Some will be very specific towards it, certain individuals. We've got ones that are for mature students only, one for widening participation, one for international for students. Um, we have ones for generic transitional support. We have ones for um, academic support. They're, they're very, very wide um, set of criteria. And this becomes a problem in how we actually define mentoring itself. And because we have issues with defining mentoring, it also creates a problem when we come to round to researching it. So some people have actually argued that mentoring itself as a global phenomenon has become very devalued because it has become so segregated. And a lot of the research that um, I did when I first started my PhD, a lot of the literature that I was reading was based on organisational mentoring literature and not particularly educational ones. And that's where it all started from and we now are starting to snowball into the educational sector and getting more and more coming out in the educational sector, but still not enough for the amount of schemes that I think that are available. There's so many available out there. Um, because people can't agree on a definition, people have then gone towards what the functions are of mentoring. But again, we still face a problem. So when we look at people, everybody else's different functions of mentoring, everybody has different ideas of what mentors are function, have functions for. And again, this really depends on what type of scheme that you might have within your university. If you have a much more um, peer-assisted learning type scheme, the functions might be more academic 
focused um, and career focused. Um, but if you have a more scheme that's focused towards transition to university in the first year in higher education, then you will have one that's more emotional um, support. From what I can tell from the international schemes that are available, which are often called buddy schemes in the UK, um, they all seem to be um, focused on that transition, the transition to come to, U to the UK and to incorporate within the UK and to actually um, learn a little bit about the languages and the cultures and get over those initial um, barriers that might be. Um, this is just a review of old definitions, as you can see, there's not many new definitions that have come out, and these are all the different types of functions that are appearing in those definitions, and you can see that not one of those authors has all of the functions, and not one of those functions has all of the authors. So there's no agreement in the literature about what the functions might be. Generically, people have agreed that there's an academic role or an academic function, there's an emotional support, psychosocial support function, and Jacobi, who I follow quite strongly um, in 1991, also said that we should have role modelling in there. I think role modelling is quite a strong component for the international um, um, students from what I can see and read from the international ones. Then we have the problem of do we do traditional mentoring or do we do peer mentoring? Um, and then do we do academic mentoring or do we do personal uh, emotional support mentoring? So there's lots of different issues that might come up. So um, just you don't need to, I'm not going to go through all of this, but in general, the traditional mentoring is when you get a member of staff mentoring uh, a, st a student. Uh, so it might be personal tutoring, but it's more likely to be a graduate. So PhD students, for example, will be in traditional mentoring. You can also get traditional mentoring in um, nursing courses, police courses, those more practical courses where they go out on placement. The peer mentoring is what we're going to carry on looking at now. So it tends to be, from what I can read in the literature, um, a student who is one, uh, one year or more above um, the other student and they're mentoring someone slightly lower than them. She, and typically it's incoming first year students, although there are a lot more um, schemes now available that are about peer assisted learning and academic focus. Um, my PhD was very much focused on the first year in higher education rather than um, peer assisted learning. Okay, so how popular it is in the UK? very difficult to assess. Um, very, very old data, I want to update it, but when I did do my research in 2003, so it's really, really old, there were about 30% of the universities that had a mentoring scheme. A lot of them were saying they were going to have a mentoring scheme developing in the next five years, so I guarantee there's a heck of a lot more than there is now. Um, I did a quick web search for international um, mentoring schemes, and I'll tell you how many there were on that quick web search in a minute. Um, so it's really difficult to assess, but it's extremely popular. Every university I speak to seems to have one. Um, I'm not going to go too much into this, but I think this is interesting for me because international students tend to be postgraduates. The, the greatest proportion of international students is in the <coughs> postgraduate area. And so when I was hunting for international schemes, peer buddy schemes, there were a lot for undergraduates, but I didn't see many for postgraduates unless they were doctoral um, training for medicine and things like that. But we do have a, a great proportion coming in at postgraduate level. So perhaps we are looking at the wrong, uh, we are perhaps want to have some more mentoring schemes for the postgraduates as well. Um, and they seem to be lacking in, 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 in a way. A lot of the literature was saying that dropout and um, failure rates seem to be higher in international students, but I couldn't find any statistics on that. <laughs> so, and that literature that I was reading was based in America. Um, so I was desperately trying to find literature, UK-based, that could support, my, support that finding, and I couldn't find any. So... Um, 
Okay, so I did a quick web search to see how many buddy schemes are actually available in the UK. Um, and there were a lot of hits. <laughs> um, so, just because I was interested to see what was available, it seems to be UK, we call it buddy scheme. If I, call, if I put in peer mentoring international students into, into Google, it comes up with a lot of Australian um, mentoring, um, mentoring schemes and maybe American mentoring schemes, but not UK. I think I got to a page 10 before I found a UK one. Um, so peer buddy scheme seems to be the name that people um, like. Um, so I found quite a lot of hits. Within the first 100 hits, I went through and counted 49 different universities with different um, schemes. So that's indicating that we have a high proportion of universities within the UK. It's not a substantive search, but a high proportion of uh, universities in the UK that have some sort of buddy scheme available for international students. Um, so I think that in itself are, are, are inter is interesting. So what my research has done mostly is to try and link mentoring into some sort of theoretical stance because a lot of the criticisms that came originally was that mentoring never really had a, it was a theoretical it was everybody thought it was really popular everybody thought it was beneficial but it didn't really have any theoretical background to why it was beneficial so a lot of my research was based on the first year in higher education and the stress of the first year in higher education and, and moving into halls of residence and getting and getting homesick <laughs> Um, and the additional problems that the international students might have on top of that as well. So we know, because we've already had this talked about, that the first year, in fact the first week, can be quite critical within higher education. We do get a high proportion of students now um, who are home students that, are homes that get homesick. And then for the international students, they, have the additional, they might have some additional issues as well. Um, seems that they do appear to be a little bit more confident when they come in, but there can be some acculturation stress and some culture shock when they first arrive, and this could create such a barrier to them that they don't get involved within the university experience. And that lack of involvement could then lead to um, higher dropout rates, etc. Um, so, um, for me, a lot of my research was focused around um, incorporating peer mentoring into <coughs> that first year and first week experience in higher education and whether it will function in that way and, and does it theoretically um, work to in, in integrate students into university um, and international students into university. Um, a lot of the literature or the research that I've found for international students doesn't have a theory behind why it's functioning and um, actually is lack, it has really bad methodological flaws in it and it ha often doesn't report the statistics. And for me, even it doesn't report the descriptive statistics, so I can't even do secondary analysis on it. It just says it's beneficial um, with no statistics there, which makes it really difficult for me to assess whether it's beneficial and how it's beneficial. And I think that's really important for me as a researcher, is I want to know how it's beneficial. Are there particular components within peer mentoring that are beneficial for students as a whole and for international students in particular? Um, oops, so... I've already talked about that. We already know what all culturation stress is. Um, we've had an excellent talk before about uh, the different po potential problems that might occur um, with coming in. And a particular barrier, barrier seems to be language. And a lot of the mentoring schemes that are available specifically talk about um, language. So if you click on buddy scheme and you find any number of the schemes that are available, the first thing they will say is help with language. 
help with language, help with um, getting to know the city. So if it was a London university, getting to know London, getting to know London city, getting to know where all the haunts are and all that kind of thing. So if we're going to incorporate it into um, the first year in higher education or coming to university, then the biggest thing for me would be to incorporate with the social support theories and stress and the buffering hypothesis. Um, which is an old theory, and I'm aware it's an old theory, and for me, my biggest argument is, again, how has technology changed these old theories? Because we live in such a different world now that um, we do keep in touch with all our friends. Um, it, you know, back, in, back before Facebook, when I left Scotland, I probably wouldn't have had much contact with the friends that I left in Scotland, and now I talk to them constantly on Facebook, keep up with them, see how they're all doing. So I don't feel like I've ever left Scotland. I feel like I'm part, still part of Scotland. I think sometimes that makes it more difficult. And there is a lot of research out there that says that if you don't leave behind something and you stay incorporated in that old culture, um, it makes it more difficult to incorporate into a new culture. And sometimes I do feel split between England and Scotland. And that's only Scotland. <laughs> it's not uh, across a big sea to get here. Um, so. In linking it with the social support theory, we could argue that social support buffers the um, acculturation stress that international students may feel when they come across. So a mentor would be this social support. And as the mentor would introduce into the international student to more students, then they would increase their social networks and their, their perceived social support. And we know from the literature that social networks are directly linked to um, outcome, i.e. well-being, um, but social perception of social support is a buffering hypothesis. It moderates the relationship between stress and outcome. So that during stressful situations, that peer mentor being available will have a beneficial effect on the individual. So the research that I did on my PhD, it was, con it was um, a mentoring scheme for all students, and I went to several universities to do this. I did actually find that mentors acted as a social support and buffered the relationship between stress and self-esteem, depression, and various things, and college adaptation, and other uh, aspects like that. So it does have a function as a social support mechanism in incorporating individuals into um, university. I came across this paper that was I thought was really interesting that links in with the social support hypothesis that looks at well-adjusted and less-adjusted individuals, international students versus local students, um, to see, it's not got a great number of participants, but it's okay, <laughs> um, uh, to see um, where the aspects might be lacking for the two different types of individuals. And you can see for the international students, um, the less adjusted uh, individuals are down here, and the social support. Now, that social support is defined as companionship, i.e. getting involved in activities and social clubs, um, football, the football team and various things like that. So it seems that the less adjusted international students are lacking in that social companionship, which peer mentoring can work beautifully for, because peer mentors can get individuals involved in things like um, social clubs, football clubs, the psychology society for art, for, for me, for example. The local students seem to be lacking in, in more in the emotional support um, side of things, uh, and that is the feeling of being valued rather than um, a social companionship. These two are all to do with um, practical support, um, which can even go down to lending money, which we wouldn't expect mentors to do, and information support. But information support can come in really handy um, for mentoring, because that's what a lot of mentoring does. It provides a lot of information for individuals uh, on what to do. So again, that supports the kind of uh, role that mentoring could have. 
So there's two different types of buddy schemes, as far as I can see, in the UK. Um, I would be interested in seeing if international students could mentor host students, because I think that would be really interesting. There are not many international students mentoring international students that I can see. There are some schemes out there that are anybody. Um, so if you're an international student or a host student, you can mentor an international student. Um, but I couldn't see any that were purely international to international. I had to hunt and I found London South Bank and somebody might tell me that's wrong. <laughs> I had to really, really hunt for that one. Uh, they really popular ones are home students mentoring international students. So uh, a host student will in uh, mentor an incoming international student. And these are the things, this is literally on their website, um, the benefits that they advertise of an individual getting involved. Um, you've got benefits for the actual home student or the mentor and benefits for the international student. The international student benefits are literally getting to know um, the city that you're going to be living in, finding out valuable resources such as where you could stay for a start, where you could get food, <laughs> um, but also where you could go out, um, which societies you could join, even boiling down to um, how to approach a lecturer or how to approach a member of staff. Um, who not to annoy, who not to turn up late to the lesson because they lock the room, which is my colleague. Um, and uh, little things like oh, how to submit your work, which can be quite daunting for home students as well as international students when it's all electronic and various things like that. Um, so they're the two types of schemes um, that I have managed to find. But the biggest thing that mentoring comes up against who, of the people that have mentoring schemes in their university, who is aware that the mentoring scheme is there for retention reasons? There's not that many. <laughs> um, for me, whenever I talk to individuals about mentoring, they talk about the incorporation of mentoring for retention. So it's become a retention strategy. It's become the biggest thing to um, retain our students in some way, shape or form. And for me, it's like, has it become the be-all and end-all for retention? And it's talked about a lot in Australia. Um, so Australia's re re produced a lot of paper and papers and a lot of research on retention strategies in peer mentoring. Um, there's been a few, um, there's a Hobson Retention Australian project, for example, that reviewed 17 institutions on their peer mentoring strategies and found they were there for like retention strategies and they were the top most priority for retention strategies. Um, there's been meta-analyses and reviews all in Australia that talk about mentoring as retention strategies. Does it work though? Does it work as a retention strategy? There are mixed reports on this. Some people say it does and some people um, say that it doesn't. Um, my quick review in 2003 looking at universities that had a mentoring scheme and those that didn't did actually find that those that did have a mentoring scheme had a significantly lower dropout rate according to their benchmark criteria than those that didn't have a mentoring scheme. So there is something there um, within the literature that says that it could, it could potentially work as a retention strategy, but it's again missing the theoretical aspect of how it can work as a retention strategy, and this is when the model of Tinto comes in. <laughs> so um, some of you may be aware of Tinto's model, some of you um, may not be aware, but it's a big model in America used to um, predict retention. It's not used so much in the UK. It's been reviewed and evaluated a lot in America. It's got a lot of support in America, but there's not much support for it in the well, It's hardly been used in, a, in the UK. So I'm doing some research at the moment looking at Tinto's theory in the UK, and it seems to have some support within the UK as well. Um, but my main aspect within this, you've got some pre-stuff beforehand, family background, etc. 
Then you've got goal, commitment and intentions. So this is where it comes in of um, usually international students have high levels of goal commitment because they've come a long way to come and study. It's not like they've popped on a train for five minutes to, to come and do their degree. They've, they've taken a lot out of their life to come and do this study. But then you've got an academic integration section and a, and a social integration section. And the academic integration bit can include also getting involved in with the academic staff approaching the academic staff, talking to them on a regular basis. Whereas the social integration is all about um, peer group relations and um, getting involved in extracurricular activities. And this is where mentoring can come into play. Mentoring can help you um, to understand how you can interact with, your, um, with the academic staff, how you can approach the academic staff, can help you with how you could um, get involved, engage in classes and not feel worried about the language barrier or anything like that. They can mostly get, get involved with um, extracurricular activities and your peer group interactions, introducing you to other cultures and other individuals and more people in the host culture. So the argument from uh, the literature is that we should be looking at peer mentoring in relation to integration into university. And not many people have done it. I have done it and I found that actually it does um, work. So that um, the... It, uh, integration into university mediates the relationship between mentoring and retention. So mentoring links to intention to stay at university, but it is done so via integration. So if you have a mentor, you feel much more integrated into university, and that leads to you wanting to stay at university. So there is some support for that, but there's not many people that have followed that on. So even though Jacobi recommended that model in 1991, um, I still I did another search for it the other day and I still haven't found any other papers that have looked at that model in specific relation to peer mentoring. Um, so I've put in some, some money to, uh, I've put in a bid to look at the relative impact of peer mentoring and retention and it's going to look at all of these things as well as procrastination and motivation and engagement to see if it has an impact above and beyond this model. Um, okay, so more important thing, is it effective? Um, there is very mixed findings on some things. The qualitative research says it's brilliant. Every time you look at qualitative research, focus groups, interviews, everybody agrees that it's really, really good. People talk about it, it helps with adjusting to workload, it helps adjusting to the new situation, helps with bonding. Everybody talks about it in a very, very positive light with qualitative research. You move to the qualitative research and it's a different story. Um, some people say it, it does help you retain um, students, some people say it doesn't, some people say it helps with grade achievement, some people say it doesn't. Commitment and satisfaction and various things like that need to also be taken into consideration and often aren't. But my biggest problem with the quant research is that actually they're prob they're, they're, most of them are very poorly designed. Um, a lot of them don't have control groups, a lot of them are just cross-sectional, um, and a lot of them do not provide statistics. So I came across a business studies paper that said, yeah, they, all the students want to stay, the retention rates are much, much greater when they've been mentored. Um, they provided me with some frequency stats, but no actual statistics. So I thought, I'll just do a chi-square by hand, as you do, at the kitchen table. And it wasn't significant. It wasn't even a decent size, effect size. Um, so I was like, well, that's a rubbish paper. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of people arguing that it's effective, but not backing it up. And that's what is needed within um, the literature more than anything. So there's been arguments that 
consistently mentored individuals are identified as, as having an advantage over those that are not mentored. This has been split into the key benefits in traditional academic mentoring. This has not been looked at in peer mentoring, but traditional academic mentoring. And these are the kinds of things that are coming up. Now, when I talk to people, when I do interview, when I do my qualitative research, these are the types of things that are coming up with <coughs> benefits towards mentors as well in the research that I do. Um, and I found things like, um, in my quantitative research, I found that mentors are much more adapted to university. Uh, they are less lonely. They, are less, they have got less levels of depression. Um, they feel like they've got more social levels of social support. They've got higher levels of, of self-esteem. So there are some findings that there are, there are some benefits within, um, within uh, mentoring itself. Um, but there's also benefits for the mentor as well. So the international students can benefit from all of this, but your <coughs> mentor can also benefit, and hopefully your international student will go on and be a mentor as well, and will face the benefits too. So these are all the benefits that come up for the mentor themselves and there's um, there's not many studies on the benefits of mentoring but there is becoming uh, for the mentor this is becoming much more popular so there's a lot more people suddenly doing interviews with mentors about the benefits of mentoring and I see a lot of them coming up for teacher training courses nursing and various things like that so um, this was a interview that I did a long time ago <laughs> and looking at the benefits of, of mentoring for um, and this was in three different universities around the UK, focus groups, and these are the types of things that came up, specifically good for CV. But most people talked about this kind of belonging at the university and this kind of weird feeling that if you weren't a mentor, you weren't part of the department and all sorts of things like that. Um, somebody talked about enabling one to look good in the department and meeting others across the year, but a lot of it was around meeting others and socialising and various things like that. So that was a big part of it. There was a slight academic slant to it, and that people did talk about the fact that they could um, look at their they could look at their studies again and incorporate their studies again and learn more from their from their actual studies. My interest, though which is not really good for your interest, is what are the possible negative effects? Because everybody talks about the benefits of mentoring, the benefits of mentoring for the mentor, the benefits of mentoring for the mentee, and we know that there are benefits, and I'm going to show you some research for international, specifically for international students in a minute. But are there possible negative effects um, for, of mentoring? The biggest one that comes up across organisational literature and educational literature is time demands. Mm -hmm and finding the time to meet with your mentor. That's the biggest thing that comes up most of the time. But one of the things that came up as I spoke to individuals was this kind of feeling, a, a burden of responsibility. It wasn't outrightly spoken about. And if you, we tried to do another set of interviews with individuals where we got them to speak about the negative effects and they weren't happy speaking about the negative effects and automatically wanted to talk about the positive side. So they are, they are overwhelmingly happy about doing mentoring. But there is this slight bit to the side that there is this uh, kind of a, a bit of a responsibility that they have to look after this individual. So this individual arrives um, as, a, <coughs> as a fresher in week one and they can't find them. Um, and what if they can't find them and what happens and you know, all sorts. And I had a girl that was talking about her, men her mentee dropped out in the first three days and she thought she was to blame um, for her mentee dropping out because she didn't provide enough support for them and various things like that. And I think that training is so, so essential. And we, are, we have training in our university for our mentoring schemes. 
Um, but I did come across one or two schemes when I was doing my PhD that didn't actually have the training um, there. And you need that for boundaries, you need that for support, you need a hierarchy of support for the mentors as well, for themselves, in case they do start to feel this kind of responsibility and that they are have got to look after these individuals in case they, uh, they disappear and various things like that. So specifically for international students, because that's what we're interested in today. So what are the benefits for international students? So I did a hunt for research for international students and I found four papers. I'm missing one off the bottom because I found it last night. Um, so Campbell also did some research that was qualitatively based. There could be some more out there, but I was really hunting for these ones. Um, so they tend to be a lot of um, qualitative research um, out there. Um, I had really high hopes for Westwood. 1990, I had to um, ask for requests for it because we didn't have access to it in our university and it came through yesterday and I got very excited about reading it because he talked about it being a four-year study across two countries um, to increase the uh, validity of it and everything and it was not very good. <laughs> um, it had very small sample size, um, it didn't have any statistics in it either, um, so I got really disappointed by that one. Um, so this one was a matching of hosts to international students, which in fact most of them were. It was a four-year study, so it took the students when they first came in, wasn't very well described to be honest, because it took me ages to work out that it was matching hosts and international students. So the programme itself was not described. I think that's the biggest problem with the research out there, is none of these describe the programme. It's very hard to find out what is actually in the programme when you're trying to work this out. So they took the, they took the international students with the host students in year one when they first arrived and followed them up for the four years that they were in studying. They say it's across two countries, but it isn't. It's, um, it's, in, it's Australian students going to Canada. Um, so it's not across two countries. It's Australian students going to Canada. So um, two countries are involved, but it's not across the two. I thought that there would be an, another one going on in Australia as well. Um, they did find achievement rates were higher when you did the stats yourself. And they did find that the dropout rates were lower across the four different years as well. And actually, the dropout rates, the lower dropout rates were quite substantial when you sat and did all the chi-squares yourself. Um, because they had like 0% in one year, whereas the um, non-mentored group um, didn't have that. The biggest problem with this is there is no mention. They talk about it being a randomised controlled trial. They talk about it as being randomised sampling and all sorts of things like that. I don't think that's true. Um, because I can't see anywhere how it was a randomised controlled trial. If it was a randomised controlled trial, I'd be really happy, although ethically I'd question it. Um, but um, I couldn't see how they did the matching or, or anything. There was no description of anything, so that was really difficult to You've had half an hour, Ros. Oh, gosh, sorry, sorry. Um, and I think that's, the, that's one of the major problems with any of the research that's out there, is that um, it's very difficult to see um, how, what the programme involves, how they, match the, how they match the students up, whether they do randomised controlled trials, various things like that. Um, so I will just talk quickly about this, because evaluating mentoring, what's the ethical, you have to think about the ethical implications of having a randomised controlled trial, because we all think that it's beneficial. We all think mentoring is beneficial, so is it really fair to therefore randomly allocate um, incoming international students to a mentor and then some international students to not a mentor? So if people are choosing to have a mentor, that has to become some sort of covariate. Why are they choosing to have a mentor? Um, and I found in a lot of my literature, it's more distressed people want a mentor, so then it looks bad because the mentored people are more distressed. Um, so 
developing evaluations in line with theoretical expert, uh, perspectives so that we can start to um, collaborate all the research and we could start to compare and um, generalise the research. You need to think about what your outcomes of interest are. Are you interested in dropout? Are you interested in grades? Or are you interested in other things such as um, whether they are, feel like they're uh, less stressed, whether they have acclimatised to the new environment, whether they feel like they're supportive, whether their self-esteem is better, which will probably link to grades and things, um, but you need to define exactly what your outcomes might be. Um, and also, hardly any of the papers that I've ever read consider the impact of the actual relationship, so the satisfaction with the relationship. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of the research has found if you look at mentored versus mentored, non-mentored, the effect sizes are much bigger than if you start factoring in the satisfaction um, for that um, relationship. So, briefly, it continues to rise in popularity in the UK, but um, there still is limited research out there and there's still problems with that research. Um, I think it's, becoming, it's become really popular with international students. I can see massive benefits for it with international students, um, but I, I really struggled to find any research on international students and peer mentoring and I found that fascinating. I thought that somebody would have picked up on it and done some research. So there is a whole <laughs> world out there to go and research and there's some references if you'd like them.